Welcome back to another episode of the Half Court Press Podcast. Johnny Atawa here, Chris Hetty over there, ready to talk a little Nebraska and Creighton hoops. First off, got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Buffalo Wings and Rings. Always fresh, never frozen. We appreciate their support. Go check them out, 120th and L. As a matter of fact, Chris and I will be physically going to the restaurant. We will be physically there, yeah. Uh, in a couple weeks. I think we're going to do a live podcast after Selection Sunday, breaking down the brackets, mm-hmm. setting up where uh, Creighton's headed and kind of breaking down the matchups there, too. Are, so. you, are you good at filling out a bracket? I'm horrible. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so That's I, good. So people can come and, and they can listen to John and just do the opposite of what he says. Exactly. Okay. Cool. I, I'm here for the people. Yeah, That's I'm, either, I'm either extremely on or, boy, am I extremely on. So you're going to play with fire. But I, think, with I also Chris's. think everybody is that way, too. You know what I mean? Especially this season. Yeah. I was just doing the update of the uh, uh, AP Top 25, Creighton, top 25 poll. Creighton dropped one spot mm-hmm. after losing to St. John's. And Creighton became, on Sunday... I think one of 14 teams, 14 ranked teams that lost a game last week. 14 mm-hmm. ranked teams lost, and five ranked teams lost twice. Yeah. So, and there were a ton of games in there where the ranked team lost to an unranked team, mm-hmm. either at home or on the road. It just doesn't make a lot of it's sense. It's going to be, it's, it's I wacky. Think it's, I will say, it's going to be fun to fill out the bracket. So people should come out and, and check, you know, what we'll, we'll get you a little bit of tips. I'm sure there'll be, you know, when you run through Ken Palm or whatever, there's always like one team I fall in love with. And there's always like you try and figure out who the Cinderella is. So uh, we'll be there for that. Perfect. Yeah. So Buffalo Wings and Rings, thanks for uh, their support. And again, we'll have some more details on our live show coming up in a couple weeks. The Half Court Press Podcast going on the road. <laughs> uh, all right, Chris. I mean... We go from a bad, yeah, a, a happy note to a a sour note for yeah. the Jays and the Huskers. Uh, both teams did not have a very fun Sunday. Creighton blitzed out of the gym in the second half against St. John's, lost by twenty, gave up fourteen three pointers to a team that does not shoot the ball well <laughs> at all, and Nebraska uh, just could not hit a free throw and yeah, they missed, had they missed its chance to get that to get the monkey off its back and mm-hmm. end the w- losing streak and get the win over over last place Northwestern wasn't able to get it done. Where do we start here? In the, in so, the misery index, I don't know yeah. who's higher. Where where do we want to go? I was going to say we we were going to we're, ta- we're going to talk a lot about momentum today. Okay. Um let's start with Creighton because they're the one that's still kind of in contention. I mean, they're going to the NCAA tournament. Let's talk what the loss means, is it a bad yeah. thing? Obviously it's a bad thing, but is it into the world? What's it mean for seeding? What's it mean for them and, and I guess first off, let's just go over what actually happened because I I didn't get to watch it, but I was I was listening to it as I was driving to Nebraska, and the only thing I could it was just one of those things where sometimes you turn on the radio at the right time, and I think St. John's it sounded to me like they hit like nine threes in a row, like that's just what it sounded. That's like. literally what they did. Okay, <laughs> I mean because there was a stretch where Creighton Creighton fell behind early in the game, and I thought. And, and Damian Jefferson gave an interview after the game and kind of hinted at this, that the Jays were just a little step, they were a step slow, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was um, uh, maybe lacking a little bit of aggression offensively or um, kind of just a little bit slower footed defensively. They weren't flying around as much. We, last time we saw them against Butler, they were everywhere, forcing steals, making the Bulldogs uncomfortable. And against St. John's, they didn't have that same um, pace to them, the same energy. And part of that was game plan, and it kind of looks that way because St. John's has some, statistically speaking, bad shooters. I mean, they proved otherwise, obviously, on Sunday that they're not that bad, but the numbers said one thing, and so the Jays yeah. left those guys open. And, and there were moments in the game where a, a St. John's player had the ball in the perimeter, and you saw a Creighton player standing there like, do I close out on this yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's also because nah. Nebraska's done that this year too, where they're like, 
you're not a very good shooter, so I'm going to leave you. Right. So just real quick, to, to prove your point, so St. John's, even after that game, they're 327th in effective field goal percentage, they're 257th in three-point percentage, and 333rd in two-point percentage. So, like, they're not a good shooting team. Right. Except for all of a sudden they Except were. On Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, so the stretch you're talking about in the second half, Creighton finally, you know, down by 12, down by 7 at the half. Battles back, takes the lead, and then St. John's answers with an emphatic, like, this is our day moment where I think that Johnny's hit three threes in a row um, to kind of regain control, and then they put C, uh, they put CU away with a stretch where they – I think it was a 14-0 run, which included five – no, that doesn't make sense. Four threes, I think, in the, in the 14-0 run, four threes, um, and two by Greg Williams Jr., mm-hmm. who uh, came into the game – shooting 23% from three, and he went seven of 10 from the from the field. So it was it was a combination of Creighton not quite being at its best. It certainly wasn't at its best, and offensively the numbers show that as well. But defensively, yeah, the Jays didn't have as much kind of grit to them as they have had. But also it was a, I mean, out-of-world, out out-of-body experience for St. John's from a shooting perspective. You mentioned some of the numbers f- – uh, for the Johnnies in terms of what they were shooting and what they are shooting even after a great game where they where they rank. I think going into the game, they were at 29%, 29.5% from three, which was mm-hmm. last in the league, in league play only. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've ever had a game in Big East play where they shot better than 50% from three. Um, and yet they were able to produce a 14 for 22 performance from the three-point line. Um, it was the third best shooting performance from three-point range by percentage uh, in Big East play this year by any team in Big East play. So Nova had a game where it uh, blitzed DePaul and made a ton of threes, and Georgetown went 10 of 15 at Butler. And the next best performance was St. John's. Again, the worst shooting team in the league, uh, dropping 14 threes on the Jays. So I mean, a combination of bad things. You bring, you, you're just a little bit off in this league sometimes because St. John's is not a bad team. It's not a good shooting team, but it's not a bad team, and it had a, it had a, one of its best days of the year, but maybe its best day on a day when Creighton wasn't near its best. Well, yeah, you you hit the you hit a if you hit a rut and you get the wrong team at the right time, this is kind of what happens. But I mean, you just look at again one more thing on the statistically. So they shot fifty five percent from the free throw line, which we'll talk more about free throws later. St. John's. Uh, St. John's shot fifty five percent from the free throw line. 50% from two and 63% from three. Yeah. Like, that's just one of those things where I think at a certain point, and I don't want to project or, or say anything that, you know, you say what Creighton was feeling at the time, but there is a certain point where you're kind of like, all right, well, this is their night. I honestly feel like that happened. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't. They don't quit. I'm not, we're not saying that they quit. I, but I can't imagine that the Jays felt very good when, like, Mitch Ballack, you know, he had some work done on his nose. He broke it again, broke it again against Butler. And so he's wearing a mask, and his first shot, he airballed it. Like, oh, that yeah. doesn't do good for the psyche. Marcus Zagorowski, I think, is messing, had something up with his hand, non-shooting hand. And his first shot uh, got stuck between the rim and the backboard. Oh, really? Jump ball. You don't feel good. Isn't it like a wedgie is what it's called? Y- yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, and on a three-point attempt, like, you don't – I haven't seen Marcus shoot that all year. Mm. So they certainly weren't feeling great. Tyshawn Alexander, I think, missed his first threes, and they were all good looks. Um, had a couple rim in and out. At one point in the second half, Mitch Ballack uh, claimed a three off the side of the backboard, a corner really? three, a wide open corner three. Hmm. 
knocked it off the side of the backboard, then got the, got his own board and drove in for a layup and missed it. Um, about the only guy who seemed locked in or sort of fully ready to go was Damian Jefferson and, and to an extent Christian Bishop, um, who was kind of passing and making plays. But yeah, the Jays were off, and um, unfortunately for them, the team they were playing was on, mm-hmm. and and so they lost. So they so lost here, big. So here's what I'll. I think that there's two different ways that fans or even college basketball people who follow college basketball closely can take it. Either one, Creighton's a fraud and they got exposed and they aren't very good um, and they lost to a mediocre, bad St. John's team. Or they needed this loss. It was the wrong night at the wrong time. This doesn't mean much. So I guess I'll just pose it to you. Like, what does this loss mean in the grand scheme of the season? Yeah, Does well, it mean anything? I actually think kind of a little bit of both mm-hmm. but maybe not to the the, the extremes because i th- i do think it, ha- having a loss at this time of year is a good thing it can be a good thing mm-hmm. because cream was rolling the jays were the winners in nine to ten and they were playing their best basketball of the year but i think complacency as much as you want to fight as much as you try to fight it and those guys were on top of it trying to they were saying the right things trying to do the right things i mean it's human nature it just happens you get comfortable mm-hmm. especially when you have some success so that's what this sport is. It's constantly humbling you and it's constantly hitting you with uh, reality checks. And so you just you don't want your reality check to come in the first round of the NCAA tournament or the second round of the NCAA tournament. So they got one and now how do they how do they deal with it? And maybe this kind of plays into the, your first question or your first point about did St. John's expose some things about the Jays? Um, you know, Creighton's had Creighton has some deficiencies defensively. Namely, it doesn't have a rim protector. So for much of the season, in an attempt to help protect the paint, uh, Creighton's gone with a strategy of using some of its guards off the ball to help plug up driving lanes. So instead of allowing an opponent, not that teams allow players uh, to drive right into the paint, but instead of giving up that drive to the rim um, and knowing, hey, well, we got a shot blocker who who can at least help um, defend against that, Creighton is kind of selling out at times to make sure that drive stops before it gets to the paint. I've been trying to plug up driving lanes. And when you do that, you're going to give up open shots on the weak side a lot of times. And those shots most of the year have not fallen because Creighton has cleverly and maybe at times deceptively um, oriented its defense so that the person who's open is the worst shooter on the floor. And, you know, extended three-point line, um, scoring's down a little bit in college basketball. Sometimes it gets in your head if you miss one. I mean, Quentin Gooden for Xavier was like one for 10 from three mm-hmm. against the Jays. Um, the strategy's worked mm-hmm. more times than it hasn't. It did not work against St. John's. Yeah. And so your question, I, my question would be is just like, is it a feasible strategy in the NCAA tournament? What I mean, that madness, March Madness, right. things happen that right. you can't plan for. And a guy who's shooting 20% goes seven for 10, um, I mean, kind of fitting that it happened on the first day of March, right? Yep. Like that stuff is what the NCAA tournament is, where it just the unpredictable, unexplainable happens. Um, so do the Jays have to adjust a little bit what they do defensively? Can they sell out as much to protect mm-hmm. the paint? Do they have to just be um, better at, at, at defending the dribble, the dribble drive in a one-on-one setting? Um, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe in, in an NCAA tournament or a postseason setting, you would have seen the Jays be quicker to adjust or quicker to abandon yeah. what they were 
I mean, I, I hadn't, I wasn't there, so I didn't get a chance to ask the coaches directly about this. But my assumption is, is like, here's our game plan. Okay, St. John's hit a few shots, but we're gonna keep award. Well, let's that's face thing. it, St. That's, John's isn't yeah, a good shooting team. Right. We keep giving them those shots; they're not gonna go in. That's the thing that's so interesting to me about the coaching aspect of this is like, you don't want to overreact and overcorrect because for the most part, it's worked. But at, for one night, it didn't. Yeah. So do you? So like, I that this is when you'd love to be, you know in Mac's office, you know, immediately after the game or, or the next morning and he's sitting over looking at film and, and just wondering what's in his head. Is it, you know what, this they were just on for some reason and we're just gonna continue what we're doing. And is that the right move? Or two, do we need to change what we do defensively right. because they exposed this or was it just the right night? And so now it's an interesting, you know, final two couple games of like, do they do anything completely differently because of what St. John said, or they just stay who they are and, and chalk it up to just kind of a fluke? Yeah, my assumption is that they're going to stay with what mm-hmm. they've been doing. They're just going to try to do it a little bit better. And I think you can, if you watched it, you can clearly make the argument that, you know, Creighton plan, it was flawed because St. John's shot it really well. But Creighton's inability to kind of bring the same level of tenacity defensively mm-hmm. maybe contributed to St. John's getting hot or getting comfortable. And maybe if, Saint, if Creighton had brought uh, the same level of, uh, focus and effort and energy that it did against Butler to maybe St. John's doesn't shoot 14 to 22. Maybe instead it shoots 10 to 22 and and it's a different game. I don't know, but those are the questions and conversations that I'm sure the coaches will be having. And then we'll see if adjustments are made in March. And I will say, I agree with your, like, I, I think that a lot, I was thinking about this when I was, again, while I was driving down to Lincoln was, you know, if Creighton loses this game, it might be a good thing because I think that a loss late in the regular season is extremely beneficial because i i think especially if you're if you're a team on the bubble obviously it's not if you're a team like nebraska that is dying for a win obviously it's not but if you're a team like creighton you're obviously gonna make the tournament you've been on a roll but sometimes you just need that that heat check loss especially against the kind of a not great team against st john's but it doesn't like on paper it's not a bad loss because right, right true right right but but st john's only had three big right wins, that, that, so, that's yeah. what i mean from that context yeah. but i but but like for example you know earlier this year fred hoiberg we were when we were talking about michigan state mentioned you know michigan state had lost three out of four and they were coming in to play Nebraska, and Fred Hoiberg said, you know, I think that Tom Izzo actually likes it when his team loses a couple late because then it kind of refocuses them. No and doubt. you look at Michigan yeah. State, they they beat Nebraska, then they went and beat Iowa, and they went and handled Maryland on the road college game. And, and Michigan State starting to kind of become what they are. So I, I'm curious what the rebound after the St. John's losses for Creighton and, and if they can – because the other thing is you don't want to – you know, make one loss turn into two. And yeah. so how do you kind of adjust? And the way? other thing that stings with, I agree with pretty much everything he said, but uh, maybe as sort of, a, I don't know if it's counter argument, just a point to to note is that it does sting because Creighton was in contention to win. See, this the is this, so that, yeah. So there was something yeah. on the line mm-hmm. and I guess Creighton still has a chance to win the big East. Um, there is certainly no gimme for Seton Hall on Wednesday when it plays Villanova. It is in Newark, but, Still, Villanova is Villanova, and it's a good team that is going to challenge the Pirates, certainly. But Creighton was in it, it, it mm-hmm. controlled its own destiny. Mm-hmm. You know, if it won out, it was getting at least a share of the Big East Championship, maybe winning the whole thing outright. And so I think that's where the bummer comes mm-hmm. in. But I think you're right in that it's better. I mean, it's good for one, it's good to have a wake up call before the postseason, and two, it's 
good obviously to have that wake up call before the postseason starts. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. good it's it's good to have one in March. It's good to have it before the the postseason starts. So we'll see how the Jays respond. So they need Seton Hall to lose and then they need to beat Seton Hall in order to have a share. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Creighton needs uh to beat Georgetown on Wednesday and then beat Seton Hall on uh on Saturday, but obviously also it needs Villanova to beat Seton Hall on Wednesday. Mm. And Villanova, in that scenario, say Villanova beats Seton Hall, um, it plays at Georgetown on Saturday. So if Villanova goes 2-0 and this week, then Villanova also shares hmm. the title. So there could be a three-way, a co-co-co <laughs> Big East champion. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so then how's the seeding go? It's just whoever gets the... Actually, in that scenario, Creighton would be the one seed. Oh, really? In the Big East tournament mm. because it would have two wins over Seton Hall mm. and... Uh, a one and one record against Villanova and that three-way tiebreaker, it would have the best record of those three teams um, in their head-to-heads. So in that scenario, Creighton would win the tiebreaker and be the one seed. Uh, but obviously it's contingent on Seton Hall losing a home game to Villanova. Yeah. And so we'll see that the, the Pirates just rose to number eight in the AP Top 25 poll today, which is the highest ranking they've had, I think, in 20 years. Wow. Um, they're gonna. It's the final home game for Miles Powell on mm-hmm. Wednesday. Uh, Big East star who's uh, had a great career. Obviously, they're playing Villanova, who's really good. But the title is on the line. The chance to win it outright. I mean, Seton Hall is going to be plenty motivated to win. Yeah. It, so we'll see how they handle it. Seton Hall has technically already clinched a share of the Big East title. So now it's so for the now they're trying to get it all to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a in a way, not exactly because obviously NCAA seating is on the line but in a way render Saturday's game in Omaha irrelevant yeah Seton Hall can take care of business on Wednesday yeah. so we'll see real quick final thing on Creighton in terms of seating there are three seed now for sure right I mean in the you, NCAA tournament yeah I mean you think they can I still think, sneak into it too I, I, I mean now, they could. now, now they have, we have to can take into consideration they can't the, lose again the, the tournament yeah the Big East tournament and one they can't lose again two the Big East tournament because if they win the Big East tournament you could sneak into it too that's what I'm saying yeah. I think they okay. have to go 5-0 oh from yeah. here to get the two. Otherwise, again, I mean, obviously it stinks to lose to St. John's and only three other teams have lost to St. John's in the Big East in Big East play this year. But uh it still goes in the books as a quad one loss. So Creighton's still one of I think five teams in the country um that doesn't have a quad two, quad three, or quad four loss. It's got eight quad one wins. It's net rankings top fifteen. Um assuming that the Jays continue to win, you know, uh they're gonna they have another quad one opportunity on Saturday against Seton Hall. And then the Big East tournament, every game, most likely, assuming the Jays don't face uh, St. John's or DePaul, um, every game's a quad one opportunity. Mm-hmm. So there's more chances to pad the resume. And if you True. go um, three and one, four and one, five and oh, yeah. down this, uh, in these final games before the NCAA tournament, you could find yourself jumping up yeah. a spot. So we'll see. I think I saw the Jays at. Like Lenardi maybe had him as a four, so three or four is probably where some people ha- are thinking they might be today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But obviously, not a, a lot of opportunities to jump up again. Sure, so yeah, we'll yeah. see. Um, we got to talk Nebraska. We will do so on the other side of this break. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from our sponsor, Buffalo Wings and Rings. <laughs>
All right, Chris. You want to talk I got, free throws? I, I feel like I have to deep breath. Okay. What, uh, this what, is... I mean, I mean, I watched it on TV. It was disheartening to watch. Yeah. Obviously, Nebraska falling to Northwestern and having so many opportunities at the free throw line to extend the lead, decrease the deficit, put the game away, and it just kind of do it. Yeah. So, and that was the story in the end. It I was. Mean, it was one of those things where it was like. You want to write about one thing, and you're thinking about another. I, I there wanna, was a point. They, there was a like point they, when they, they. I don't know the Huskers. They kept coming. You know. Like, yeah, like there was a point where Hanif Cheatham hit two threes, and it was like, he's the story. Senior night, this college basketball journeyman who, you know, was at Marquette and Florida Gulf Coast, and he's gone through injuries, and he's finally getting his moment. And I know you didn't get to see know? the TV broadcast, but they kept showing his mom. Yeah, it was and she's like, like such raising a cool, both of her arms every time, and trying cool, to get the crowd going. And I was just like. But oh it, man! Right, and, and Deshaun Burke's like stealing the ball. Yeah, and, like doing great. Yeah. yeah. So so here here's so. And then I Ivan. I mean, he had like 19 rebounds, looking like Charles Barkley. Yes, there was all these things. Yeah. But we're gonna talk about free throws. Um, <laughs> so if you didn't miss it, uh, they they went eight for 30 from from the free throw line. That's the worst free throw shooting percentage, um, in the last 10 years in a basketball game in which a team shoots 30 or more attempts. Um, we'll get more into that a little bit later, but here's, here's the thing that, that stuck out to me most in terms of free throw misses was they missed, so early on, it was six to four, and they missed two shots. Uh, later, it's 37 to 34, and Nebraska misses two free throws, which would have cut it to one. Uh, they get another opportunity, same score, 37-34. They miss three free throws, which would have tied the game. The second half, it's 37-36. They miss one free throw, which so they cannot tie it. Tied at 39, go to the free throw line, miss two free throws, so they can't take a lead. Uh, 57-56, they miss one free throw in order to not tie it. And then they miss two more free throws in order to take a lead. 67-67, they miss one free throw, and they cannot take the lead. And then the dagger, 78-76, Ivan ends up missing two free throws with 22 seconds left, the 21st and 22nd misses of the night. And that was the thing that really stuck out to me was not only did Nebraska miss free throws, but a majority of them were important moments where, you know, even though a free throw is a very normal, like routine, kind of kind of boring part of the game, if you make two free throws and you take a lead or you tie it and then you get back on defense, that's the moment where especially if you kind of gone on a run or you had come back a little bit, that's a moment that usually the crowd realizes like, Hey, we're head and they get a little bit louder and the pressure builds a little bit more. And Nebraska just gave Northwestern chance after chance to play with no pressure at all. And they worked through the ball and, you know, Nebraska keeps missing these free throws and just, you could see them get even more tense and you can see them get even less confident. And when Ivan walked up to those free, to the final two free throws, there was no way. I mean, there was nobody in the arena thought he was making any of those. People around us, you know, Deshaun Burke made a pretty good play, to be quite honest. Yeah, was you know, that Pat the Spencer, one where he steals the ball? Yes, Pat Spencer got in the way and he yeah. dishes it off to Ivan, and they foul the heck out of Ivan and some of the. Free I know. Throw in my line. mind, I'm like, Deshaun, don't don't give. I, I mean, not like that Deshaun part, <laughs> is that much better of a free throw shooter, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, but like, it was one of those things. Don't where, give it up. Exactly. Um, but he so did, yeah. it was a great play. Just it was one of those things where I mean. Nebraska in this season, which I've written about before, this isn't the worst season in school history. 
um, because they they will not have the worst winning percentage in school history. Mm. They already have the most losses in a season, um, but you can start to make the argument that this is the most deflating basketball season in years, and I think even more so than the year after they went to NCAA tournament because not only are they bad, but they're becoming historically bad, and they're becoming they're setting records for bad yeah, and like and that's eight of 30 like the eight of 30 yeah. like it's one of those things where at the beginning of the year we were pretty honest that they weren't going to be very good and they could maybe win three in the big 10 and they might steal one that they shouldn't and they've had opportunities um but i i think just in general you know now it's to the point where it's embarrassing for fans for the coaches for the players and and that's when it becomes like actually genuinely sad um because this season needs to end like because because this is just i think that eight for 30 is a reflection of where the team is mentally where the team is uh in terms of just maturity in terms of taking things seriously um and i just think in general it was a mark of the season's gotta end because it's just it, it was just Time after time, Nebraska disappointing. Didn't Hanif after the game say something like the the free throw? Yeah, he said he said it. you know the free throws have come free throws They've have come back to haunt us. have uh, have been a problem for us, and all of a sudden it came back to haunt us. He was like the free throw monster came back and said That's like you're not making anything. Yeah, and so I I also think that I don't. Th- it was, it, but it, I guess my thought was like it was. It's it was been, it's been in their back of the back of their minds all year, all year long. And so like all year long. Like and you mentioned they go to the the first two free throws of the game, miss them both, yeah. and it's like, oh, it's going to be one of those days. Like they're probably thinking that. And yep. you're right. It is. And sort you've of a seen refle- you've a seen it, of, if you've seen it before, if you played basketball before, a general trend the way that you end practice is you know a lot what a lot of teams do is they'll you know do some sprints and then somebody goes up and they make you know if they they make two free throws and the next person goes you have to go until everybody makes free throw yeah if you miss one it's down and back you miss two it's down and back twice and then you've seen this before if you've played basketball i think where somebody goes up misses the first one down and back down and back you know you guess the next guy goes up misses the first one you're like what the next guy goes up misses the first one you're like what and then you pick the point guard who's shooting 95 percent, and he misses the first one you're like what's going on like this is this is a real thing that happens and it happened in nebraska and i i just think Nebraska's season, you could kind of chalk up to, I don't think you can say like because of free throws, but you think about all the close games that they've had. You think about Indiana in overtime. You think about Rutgers by three. You think of uh, the Maryland loss by two. Like you, you think of this Northwestern game. You could think of Southern Utah at the foul line. That's five games that if Nebraska shoots well from the free throw line, they either win or they have an even better chance to win. And it's amazing to me that something that hurt Nebraska on November 9th in game two is still a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talk to Fred Hoiberg about it because I think a lot of people, their, their initial thought is like, well, this is a coaching thing. And this is, you know, a discipline thing. And this is why X, Y, and Z. There is probably not a basketball program in the country that shoots more than this Nebraska basketball team. Fred Hoiberg is obviously super involved in shooting. He's that they they shoot more in the, in practice than any of his Iowa State teams. Like this is something that just when the lights turn on, Nebraska 
just scatters and they just forget what's going on and it just the pressure gets to them they're super young they've not been in this position before and again i don't think they're necessarily like giving up but at a certain point you look at effort you look at the scoreboard you look at just like at a certain point i think that they're like let's just get out of here and like obviously they want to win but from my perspective eight for 30 it's a mentality thing and it's mentality thing that goes you know way beyond just the free throw line you know what i mean does that yeah. make sense no it does um it, it 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 does feel like it it's hard not to draw the parallels um from just like not being sort of mentally having that mental fortitude to go to the line and stick a couple when your team needs it to n- make a couple kind of feels like it is connected to sort of the up and down mm-hmm. nature of this team and sort of what we kind of all should have seen coming in terms of players from junior college jumping up a level, a player from France, a, fre- a freshman, um, a couple freshmen coming in. I know Henry uh, Cheatham, who yeah, Cheatham, who's played at this level before, yes, but has had some injuries and mm-hmm. you know it was a brand new spot trying to adjust. Like um, it was a team put together. Um, in haste and sort of out of necessity and it needed more time to sort of nurture before jumping into the season and kind of address some of the the uh the flaws that were obviously apparent and obviously some of the uh um maybe maybe some of the flaws that weren't as apparent either in terms of between the ears so so let's so real quick nebraska indiana overtime loss nebraska is two of 18 from the foul line i'm sorry what Sorry, 12 of 18. <laughs> wow. 12 of 18. Still not great. Uh, they lose to Northwestern on the road. They are 6 of 11 from the free throw line. They lose to Rutgers by 3. They are 9 of 13 from the foul line. Not bad. That's not terrible. Um, they lose by 2 to Maryland. They're 11 of 15 from the foul line. Not great, but... Still, yeah, it's not. They're losing a lot of that. Like they're they're in some ways they're losing a lot of these games. Well, I'm sure you. I think I think your point right off the bat about when you, it's like it's not like sometimes the free throw shooting you can't just look at the final number and say okay that was good or bad. You have to sort of look at the game, the context of the game. Like a a one missing the front end of a one and one goes in the books is zero and one yeah free throw line but, but it's really missing it's two essentially points. a turnover mm-hmm. I mean yeah. because you're missing a chance at two points and then you give the the team the ball back um, and you're scrambling to get back to get set on defense and obviously you lose momentum I think your point about sort of the impact that missing free throws had on Sunday in a game or in a setting where the crowd is like hungry for a win i mean what they put fifteen thousand in the arena yeah it was like probably about 10 yeah was like, yeah it, it i mean announced they, at 15 but yeah around, they're, around they're, the last couple have been a little bit less i mean probably 10 or 11 still but, a great but still it's for, still a for fantastic a, a team that's lost is, you know hasn't won a game since yeah. the start of the year and, and tom tom has written about it but like the fact that people still continue to show up is 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 really really a testament because it's it's this team doesn't deserve that you know what I mean? Yeah. This team doesn't deserve eleven thousand, but that's Nebraska. That's Nebraska. They're, yeah. they're always going to show up. They're always going to be there. But anyway, sorry. I well, no, I was just going to say that the crowd would have was just looking for reasons to kind of get off its feet and cheer this team on to a win, mm-hmm. and the, the Huskers just kept giving them reasons to make them sit back down and right. 
sigh maybe so nebraska ends so it's the worst season in pba um they only won five games in pba uh they lose their final i can't remember however many um it was it was one of those things where you know we've talked about this and i wrote about it that northwestern and nebraska they came in it was the fewest wins between two power conference teams in a march conference game in at least the last 10 years um northwestern had lost 12 in a row they're not good northwestern's not good they're just not they like they played a really i mean they play they say screw analytics and they shoot a lot of mid-range jumpers and they have some talent but not a lot that one dude isn't that amazing he's just like pat spencer's just like you know what 10 feet i'm gonna dominate i'm gonna dominate from 10 feet uh was it uh bo buoy or is that that his name who kept hitting these like floaters from like 10 foot yeah it was actually like where you would still be shooting you tra- traditionally where he was launching 10 to 12 feet is where you still like have your shooting motion yeah and you're still shooting like a normal jump shot but he's like shooting one-hand floaters yeah it was incredible. going right it I yeah mean, it's not even touching rim right it's like that's so part it works of his game him. but it works and then you're like right Man. at the same time like nebraska's defense is supposed to like it's they they nebraska was horrible defensively didn't get back, didn't close out well, like really sloppy, just kind of letting them do what they wanted to do. Especially in overtime, it felt like, I don't know, maybe Nebraska was trying to gamble a little bit too much because it got some steals. Yeah. And, but it, it, I mean, they it's forced it, like 18 or 19 turnovers, yeah. but the problem was Nebraska turned it over 21 times. Like they just, that that to me says, and, and I'll let you get to your point, but just real quick before I forget, um, when you miss 22 free throws and you turn over 21 times, that's an effort thing. That's that's a deciding that, or that's focus a, maybe. That's a yeah. focus. That's an effort. That's a deciding like I'm not gonna bring it all today. Ivan Wedrago absolutely did. He had 19 rebounds and he had 13. He had 13 in the first half, I think. I mean, he really brought it. But and he played really well. But other than that, I mean, just as a whole, as a collective whole, it was a checked out team. Sorry. So continue. Yeah, and then I think what played into the as what you just said, sort of. Um, building off that it's just i thought northwestern got so many easy looks toward the end of regulation and in overtime just just by kind of carving up making nebraska's defense work uh ball reversals and forcing nebraska to switch and then all of a sudden somebody's wide open yeah they at, also under the rim or something they also seemed like they had a lot of like possessions really late in the shot clock yeah. um there was one possession in particular where they went late into the shot clock, shot a shot as the buzzer went off, and then tipped it out, and then did a whole new possession that went like 28, 29 seconds, and had a sh- they scored. So Nebraska basically defended hard for, well, I mean, you could probably admit that they didn't defend that hard, but defended for like 60 straight seconds, yeah. and that's going to take a toll. Um, and so where this leaves Nebraska now, again, since since Northwestern is so bad, like I said, you know, worst you know matchup in a long time, that loss felt... I think even more monumental because it was Northwestern and because Northwestern is now they have two wins in the big 10 and they're both over Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And now Nebraska is last in the big 10. So they're for the 14 seed, which means that they're going to, I think at this, so at this point they would play Indiana in the first round of the big 10 tournament And Indiana is 18 and 11. They're on the bubble. They've lost two in a row. I think that, Personally, I don't think Archie Miller's the guy there. They they're kind of falling off the rails, but they get two more at home though. They get so two more at home. Gonna, so they could they could get probably twenty not wins. Be Indiana. Maybe it's Purdue because Purdue could has be Purdue. A kind of a tough schedule. But, but then again, Purdue. But that's much different than playing like Minnesota, 
who I think that Nebraska, who Nebraska ends the season with. Minnesota's got Richard Pitino, and they're they're doing okay. They're thirteen and fifteen. They've lost two in a row. Um, I, they're one wins over Northwestern. They actually kicked the crap out of them. Um, but I think Minnesota's the same team that went to Italy and lost to the same uh, program or, or team, I guess you want to call it, that that Nebraska beat in Italy. Like I think that Minnesota has the like explosion factor where like if you just hit a couple shots, they can kind of. They've also got a away. great player in Daniel. They do. Thoreau. They do. Like, yeah, yeah. He he sort of is like. Something that Nebraska, like Nebraska is kind of missing that piece where it's had mm-hmm. Cam Mack has had his moments, but he hasn't been as consistently good yeah. as, as a guy like Arturo. And I, think I, ju- I just think Minnesota, missing. like Nebraska, had could have had a chance. I think beating Minnesota and Indianapolis for oh, no, for no reason. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I think that they, they, but whereas like Indiana or Purdue or you know teams that even if they're not having the best season, they they are more talented and. Um, just inherently from the culture like they they can kind of figure it out and plus the tournaments in in indianapolis and right you're playing purdue in indiana yeah exactly so that's not so that's so either. that's why i think that that loss on sunday felt even more monumental was because it was kind of like nebraska is officially not going to get that signature late home win that everybody wanted that everybody decided nebraska like, i mean that was one thing that you know before the season i talked to fans and pba what do you expect for the season oh well 500 500 in the conference, which that's not going to happen, um, for 500 on the year. And, um, you know, one, one win over a good team late in the season, which I have said, I think is based on what Scott Frost did year one, where you beat Michigan state at home. And even though you're four and eight, you have this momentum. Now Nebraska's not going to get that. Their last home win is January 7th against Iowa. Now that the one thing Nebraska fans do have is they can say, Hey, in our worst season, like ever we still beat iowa yeah, so congratulations go. nebraska fans like put on a bumper sticker <laughs> send it to your iowa friends yeah. uh it is kind of funny um but so i think that this is the season just shaping up to be even obviously we've talked about how it wasn't going to be very good but it's going to be but it's going to finish even a little bit more deflating than usual now could they go to michigan and win could they go to minnesota to win well st john's shot you know better than 60% from three for no reason. And Nebraska went eight for 30 from the free throw line for no reason. So sure, Nebraska could go and shoot 75% from three. They could they could make 15 of them and they could just shock in for, for, for no reason because this is March, right? Yeah. Um, is that likely to happen? No. So you've got two games left. You've got a Wednesday late matchup in Indianapolis. It's going to be little attended. Um, maybe you could win one there, but... You know, there's like less than two weeks left in the season. And I don't want to say that this is like rock bottom because this has just kind of been a really long rock bottom. But this, I think, is the most deflating because they looked inept and they looked, they lacked focus. And that's something that you never really want to actually see. Yeah, I think it probably just, so it's it's probably frustrating for fans to watch when you're talking about just the basics, do the basics Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. Like, don't turn the ball over make free throws and like we can live with that yeah even though even if you're out class from a talent perspective and yeah they weren't able to do that it's it's interesting that you mentioned like we'll get out of here on this but like the idea that this season really hits um it hits fans hard in a way that maybe some of the other Obviously, it's a lot of losses mm-hmm. that stings and hurts obviously to lose four, is it 14 in a row now 14 in a row yeah Nobody wants to, like, it's hard to stomach that. But 
given the fact that it's Fred Hoiberg's first year, given the fact that the Big Ten's better than it's been in a long time, I mean, if you put some things together, it's like, oh, well, it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. that this is what the result is. Why do you think that this year um, – is it because of how much excitement there was well, going yeah. into it with Fred? That, yeah. Like why this year will we'll maybe at, when it's over in a couple weeks, you'll look back on it and say, man, that was as big of a bummer as the year after the NCAA tournament yeah. when Nebraska had a big letdown or however many other moments over the course of Doc Sadler. Yeah. Yeah. Before. I mean, I, I think real disappointment comes when you have expectations and – Nebraska didn't have any this season, but I think that two two things. One, you're completely right. I think a week removed from the season being over and you look at what the Big Ten possibly does in an NCAA tournament, how many they get in, and you even like by June, right, and you just happen to pop up Nebraska's schedule and you have in your mind what the Big Ten did, how many tournament, how many teams went to the tournament, who ends up getting – player of the year and all these things, you'll sit back and you'll be like, well, look at this compared to what Nebraska was. Obviously, that was going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So in hindsight, it's going to make a lot of sense. But in the in the moment, there was a decision, and I don't fault Nebraska fans for this because, you know, I, I think that a lot of us thought too, like in, in March, you want to be playing your best basketball and maybe they can steal one and they've got things figured out and all these things, um, that, there, that there was this, this overwhelming thought of like, well, they'll get one at the end. Like they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. It's Fred Hoiberg and there's enough talent and they officially aren't getting that. Yeah. And not only are they not getting that, but you want to always go into the off season with a little bit of hope. And that hope is going to, instead of coming from this season, coming from anything else related that is not from this season. Yeah. So a player who didn't play or, uh, you know, the big 10 being a little bit worse next year or, you know, Fred Hoiberg's uh, second season success at Iowa State or, you know, Teddy Allen. You know what I mean? Like, it's, the, it's the hope nothing, isn't... It's nothing, nothing from this year. Nothing from this year. Hmm. Yeah, that's... Don't you... Yeah, I mean... That's a good way to put you, it. No, you know, it and so I think that that's why it's a little bit disappointing. Uh, aside you were, from maybe, like, Ivan. Yeah, except... I mean, that's the thing. Except for... So, yeah, I would say and Ivan m- is... Certain moments of Cam Max. Yeah, like He's yeah, had some, some yeah. good games. Triple-double, that's cool. But no, you're I, right. You're, yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to sort of... Uh, at least 14 in a row. It's been a long time since you can even recall what the win was and how it felt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, going into the offseason, everyone's mind is certainly supportive of Nebraska basketball is going to be pointed toward the future and you're not going to mm-hmm. really recall anything. Yeah. You're, it, this season, like this, the second the season is over, over it. everyone's going to try and forget about yeah. it and everyone's going to move on. I will say Ivan looks great. He seems like he's figured a lot of things out. That's really encouraging. Um, this is nothing. I don't mean this to disparage Ivan by any means, but when he is the hardest working, most efficient player on the floor during that, that's generally not a great sign uh, for Nebraska because he can kind of only do so much. He's going to get, he can get you like last night, he can get you 10, 11, 12 with 19. But like, if, if you're going to do the system Fred wants, you're going to need some really good guard play. And that's kind of what's kind of gone down a little bit. But Going into next season, real quick, we'll end on the kind of a happy note. Going into next season, sure, there's no, like I just said, quote-unquote, hope from this season moving in. What you can say and argue against me is Ivan, who, again, he's going to, he's 17. Uh, he was grabbing rebounds over some really tall, you know, some pretty good, pretty okay bigs for in on Northwestern. 
Um, he battled with Kofi Kai. I mean, he he is starting to understand the game, which I think even if he's not a starter next year, he can give you some good power minutes. He's going to get a, a year of, of weight training and kind of bulk up a little bit and be able to be a four. Bulk so, up more. Yeah, well, what? tone. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's strong, but he's not God, like strong. He's like a freaking monster. Well, yeah, but like, you know. That's what they, it's funny. I think in the broadcast at some point, uh, Kevin Kugler and Nick Ball were like, what What happens when he lifts weights? And I'm like, what happens? <laughs> like He breaks the gym is what happens. I, I was going to say, like, how can he get more muscular? Well, I think it's just trying to figure out the right. I mean, yeah, I think the right it, body yeah he's just know, raw. And yeah, just getting him getting him figured out. But I, was, I think that's one thing. If you're a Nebraska fan, we'll end this on a little bit of a happier note. Ivan looks really good. He's got the right attitude. Like he he's even even while Nebraska's been losing, he's kind of figured things out, which which is pretty encouraging going into next season. Uh, the season ends with the regular season ends with two away games. Who who the Huskers got this week? Michigan on Thursday, um, and Michigan is a team that uh, they've lost to Wisconsin and Ohio State in succession, but they've kind of refigured things out. It looked like Michigan had a really impressive February. And it yeah, they like- did. They beat Michigan State, Indiana, Rutgers, and Purdue. I mean, they they they've they've become. A little bit. They're not quite what we thought they were in early in the year, yeah. but they've become a pretty good team. I mean, team. getting Livers back really helped them because he's maybe their best defender and best scorer. Mm-hmm. So, but and then you go to and then Nebraska finishes the season at Minnesota um, against the Minnesota team that is thirteen and fifteen. They lost to Maryland and Wisconsin, they, so they've lost five of their last six. Their one win is over Northwestern. Mm. Um, the one thing Nebraska could do is go finish the Richard Pitino era. You go beat Minnesota at Minnesota, and that's how that season yeah, ends. That could be Maybe that's kind of the last thing you can throw Patino to the curb. Um, and so they'll play. So Nebraska plays uh, this Thursday, this Sunday, and then they will be the second game. As, as it stands right now, they'll be the second game as the 14 seed in Indianapolis. And um, on Wednesday, on Wednesday night, yep. with a yeah potential matchup against we'll see yeah we'll see i don't i mean there there's so there apparently there's there's a couple twitter accounts that are that are following it but there are still more than like ten thousand different ways in which the big 10 could finish this year like i yeah. think that i think there's a six-way tie for first that's still in play i think if that's right okay. yeah yeah so there's there's so many different things that could happen yeah can we touch on the big 10 race real quick yeah, so sure. maryland lost to michigan state they did um michigan state seems to have, be kind of like moving in an upward uh, trajectory, as you, we, you mentioned previously. What does Maryland have to do to clinch this thing? Yeah. Do you think Maryland will clinch this thing? I don't, I've, I, so Maryland has Rutgers and Michigan to end, and I think they, they need to win both. Um, to win it outright. They to, need win to win it outright, out. well, yeah. They can lose guess, one and um, and tie with Michigan State and Wisconsin, and Michigan State and Wisconsin don't lose. Um, so I, but I guess that Wisconsin game is pretty important. Um with uh with michigan state right did i just say michigan oh no they play northwestern indiana so they're they're so i i think maryland is a is a weird team what about where, illinois looks like it's still in the hunt too yeah it's so so, here, so real quick so maryland is at 13 and 5 michigan state's at 12 and 6 wisconsin's at the same record 12 and 6 same with illinois and then penn state and iowa are at 11 and 7 um so there's a way in which that can that's just a all, giant yeah there's a way jam. in which all of them can yeah, yeah. get up there um i maryland it's weird. I think the does, Big Ten's really good. I was going to ask you, does, not, it, does it feel like Maryland is the best team? Like, no, okay. I, but but I also would argue that Michigan State doesn't feel like the best team. <laughs> like, I still think that Penn State might actually be the team that could go furthest in March, but they've also lost three out of four. Yeah. So that's the thing. That's This is this is the Big East in, like, the late 2000s where it's like 
everyone's good and they just beat each other up mm. and then they come out into the tournament and there's a bunch of you know four to ten seeds and you have no idea who can actually make a run and who can't um yeah that's what's incredible about the big 10 because like where the big east is loaded from one through ten um this season you can there's kind of been a hierarchy that's mm-hmm. formed where like creighton villanova and and Seton Hall are kind of in a, a class, and then you got Nova and Marquette at mm-hmm. the next class, and Butler, Xavier, and then Georgetown. You know, you can f- kind of sort through tiers, but in the Big Ten, I don't think I can. I don't. I feel like I can start making a tier once I get down to like uh, Rutgers. Yeah. So like, well, maybe though. The but first, like, is the top Rutgers, tier is like eight teams. But like, are we sure? I mean, Rutgers has lost three in a row, but are we sure that they're that much worse than Wisconsin, who's third? I don't know. I mean, I think if you put them on a neutral court, I think it's probably they probably 50-50. Right. It is fascinating, though, that Rutgers has not won a game away from home yet, except yeah. for the Nebraska game. Well, yeah, that says a little bit of something, doesn't it? The, yeah. Um, I will say, I think um, the, the Big Ten is super interesting to me. Maryland is a team a couple weeks ago that I said if you're looking for a if you're looking for a team in the Big Ten to make a Final Four, like this could be them, Anthony Cowan, Jalen Smith. But like when you're ending your season with a fascination as a head coach of talking over and over about somebody else's player in Caleb Wesson and calling him a bully and keep bringing it up and that's what you're focusing on. Yeah, how about that little tiff that what was going on? What is going on? on then? And then, and then, uh, what do you th- like? Turgeon made, made the comment about having to play at 9 p.m. and then he on a weeknight. Yeah, and, and then, then he brought, and then he like took it back because surely right. an official from the Big Ten Network was like, but "Dude, then, you can't do that." And he was like, Holtman, "Oh well." And then Chris Holtman comes in. Oh, that, you should have yeah. seen everybody's face. He said it twice unprompted, and like, "Love that we're playing at 9 p.m." and just looked at everybody like, "You know what I'm talking about, don't you?" And everyone was like. Yep. <laughs> so I, I, so, so like, apparently we need Ohio State and Maryland to play in the Big Ten tournament. Oh, they have like, to. Yeah, no, they have to. Um, yeah. So I would. Say Maryland is a is a weird team. I was I was at an engagement party on Saturday night and I knew that that game was happening and I walked in. I kind of I kind of snuck away because there was a TV on and and Michigan State was up fourteen and I was like I don't I don't know about Maryland anymore. Yeah. So I'm certain that Nebraska's not going to win the Big Ten <laughs> tournament. Uh, but other than that, I think it's kind of up for grabs. Very good. If Nebraska and Creighton played today, who you got? I've got Creighton by. Well, it depends. Does uh, does Kevin Cross go seven to ten from three? If he did, uh, they lose by fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I think the Creighton, Creighton would win by thirty. Yeah. Um, we'll be back very soon. Try to have a podcast next week. It's the schedules are going to be a little bit in flux because mm-hmm. you're going to Indianapolis, I'm going to New York. So we'll just try to find a way to fit it together uh, to update on. Um, to update you guys, our listeners, on prep the, for the tournament. The, yeah. yeah, prep for the tournament. Update on the final uh, happenings over the last week of the regular season. Uh, but yeah, if we if we if I don't get to see you, have yeah. fun in Indianapolis. Thanks, and we'll be back um, a week from that to break down the NCAA tournament and all the fun stuff that comes with March. Yeah. Uh, once again, a thank you to our sponsor, Buffalo Wings and Rings. Go check them out at 120th and L. Like I said, we will be there in two weeks. Uh, for a live podcast, half-court press special. Yeah, it'll be fun. Talking to say it. Chris, thanks for your time. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening.